0: Welcome to Miami. Bienvenidos a Miami. Miami, State, Miami, State, Miami State. You're now
1: listening to MIA Radio. Who
2: put this thing DJ Cass. Yeah. DJ Zayas.
1: That's who?
0: Let me holler, my my real Miami motherfuckers? Wait, 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 wait. This is that Zaya Cash shit, though. Yo. Yeah. in Miami, bro. You already know they're going to shut down the city with this shit right here. Zaya Cash, best in the city, bruh. Bruh. But it's going to be a podcast? Am I everything? I'm still lost. Uh, me too. I don't know Yo, what's going on. Yo, I still want to listen to it, though. It's Zaya and Cash, bro. Oh, shit. I'm down 305 Miami Shit. Oh, shit.
2: Yo, 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 it's MIA Radio. Yes, we are
1: back for a big one. The big one. The big one, the 100.
2: 100, we made it.
1: You got it? You're going to say it or not? <laughs> Cieng. Cieng. We yes.
2: always, always got to say it in Spanish. Yes. But we decided we needed we need to bring in the big guns for the 100th episode. Yes.
1: Miami legend. Legend. I mean, no introduction needed no, we, we,
2: we need to give him a little introduction. I had, I had to write it down because okay. there are so many things that he's So he's many hands. He's a DJ, yeah. he's a producer. He's a podcast host, one right. of maybe one of the biggest podcasts. He's a director, an A and R, a label owner. And I don't know. I mean, there's probably some other things, but we got DJ EFN a fan in the building, in, the building. in his building. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, Thank yes. you for coming
1: to my building, guys. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. We are in Kendall. I am in Kendall. I'm rare. <laughs> Y'all know that it's rare for me to come to Kendall, so <laughs> I'm here. Well, well, welcome like, to Kendall. This yes. is
2: like the farthest we've ever Last gotten. Last time
1: I was here, I went to Don
0: Carter. <laughs> <laughs> Coño, that's a long time ago. That's just out of here. Yeah. Nah, 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 nah.
2: But yeah, man, we wanted to have, have you on the show because uh, like what we were saying earlier, you know, we like to uh, showcase to our audience how DJs have been able to, you know, carve their own lane or do multiple things, not just DJ. Right. And everyone has seen you, you know, with Drink Champs, with Nori and all that, but they don't know like all the history right, and the right, years right. of grind that you put in and how many of the other shit that I mentioned that you do. So we just kind of wanted to, you know, make sure people know your story and appreciate it. And, uh, and yeah, talk about your life and how you got to where you are now, basically. And
0: congrats on, on the hundredth episode. Appreciate it, bro. Yeah, really you guys dope. were a, you. definitely an
2: inspiration to yeah,
0: us. Yeah, facts, facts. Starting facts. I mean, a I mean, podcast.
1: Drink Champs is 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 the staple, you know, for, for podcasts and for Miami and everything. And so it's it's multiple angles. And you know we always always watch it and, and it's an inspiration because you guys I like the flow, you know, and and and, and me and Zaya. You know, we're different, and it's like you and Nori are you,
0: like... Right, we're yin it's, and yang, yeah. It's
1: kind of similar with us because, like, I'm the one that's always instigating, and then he's the one that's, like, checking, so, like, right. and you're the one that's always like, all right, let's get back, you know? Right. Like, let's get back to this, you know? So, it's... it's To us, it's huge, like, it's to have you on, and thank you, you know? No, nah, so. no,
2: nah, it's my pleasure, man. Sure. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you could kind of break it down, how you even got into DJing
0: or... Shit, um, I mean, I don't know how far back you guys want to go, but... Let's just say I'm I'm a high school kid. I, I, I went to I went originally to Killian. Okay. Um, for folks in Miami that know about the high schools, but I got kicked out of Killian. They were gonna send me to MacArthur. I don't know if you know about MacArthur. Right. <laughs> so, but I ended up going. My mom figured it out. I ended up going to Sunset. I had to do a deal that I had to go to ROTC and shit like that. Okay. And I was I was gonna I, in my head I was gonna be a marine. My dad was a marine Vietnam vet. Is a marine Vietnam vet. So I was like, yeah, no problem. So in that time frame, you know, I'm I'm. Really a big hip-hop head. I'm going to, like, my goal at that time was not to pursue anything in hip-hop, but just to be the ultimate hip-hop fan and supporter of the local scene more than anything right. else. Um, So I'm doing that with my crew. Uh, shout out to Crazy Hood. At that point, we were a crew called KPB, okay. which was... a uh, a, f- a joke name but we kept it called kendall park boys uh-huh because we would go and play ball at the at, <laughs> at sugarwood was the main park we were at right but uh we would go to different parks and play basketball and then they would be like the Ken when we would leave kendall they'd be like these motherfucking kendall park boys right. you know and i liked it so i kept it um so at that time i wanted to dj the dj spoke to me and the dynamic of like dj and mc on stage mm-hmm. and in videos it just and I couldn't really rap also. So. <laughs> <laughs> or be, I couldn't be, I wasn't a good B-boy. I wasn't a good graffiti artist. I tried all the elements, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think we all did. Every,
1: everybody's always kind of like, ah. And then the one or two things that you're good at, you kind of like right. go from there. So, so
0: DJing, I just thought that ultimately the DJ role was just dope. You know, yeah. like it controlled the vibe. It, you know, it, it was like the silent um, control of everything when it came to like hip hop and hip hop culture. It is the beginning of hip hop culture. Yeah. So, uh, at first, I had two tape decks because I couldn't afford turntables, and I would do pause tapes and give them out to the homies. And then, uh, eventually, the back of the Source magazine that had a DJ starter kit mm-hmm. with two uh, belt drive Gemini turntables oh. and a little mixer. Couldn't tell me nothing. Those were my joints, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, have, I I talk about this a lot. I had uh, remember the I don't know if you guys, you guys are younger, but there was a record store called Peaches. Never. Back in the days, there was a record store called Peaches, and um and they had these crates that they would sell, these wooden crates for records. And they had one little record section where you could buy records. And I bought the crate, and I remember having like, I don't know, like 10, 15, maybe 20 records in the crate. Didn't even fill it, you know, halfway. And I remember saying to myself, man, one day I'm going to fill this crate. Right. And that's, I'm going to be ill with this full right, <laughs> right, one right, crate right, right. of records. And, you know, just fast forward, like, when I was able to finally get my Technique 1200s and... And then I started to, as I'm graduating high school, think of like pursuing something within the, the realm of music and hip hop. And, and our goal as Hood, once we formed Hood in 93, was uh, to, to really be a part of the, the story, the Miami hip hop story. And kind of like help develop our, our hip hop scene, mm-hmm. which was kind of, in a sense, underdeveloped. Right. In terms of identity, like right. the identity of our hip hop scene, specifically the hip hop. Was very New York centric, right? Uh, Back people, then,
2: who were the, like the main artists coming out of Miami?
0: You had an amazing artist, which I talk about a lot. Mother Superior, that she had a song called Rock Bottom. So if anybody ever says the bottom of the map or the bottom, mm-hmm. it comes from her. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, wow. um, which people don't remember anymore. We yeah. say that a lot. Yeah, we say it a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had bottom. no idea. Yeah, yeah, she she was. They used to call her the female Nas. Wow, this is how dope she was, and her she got signed to a major label, which was huge off of underground radio. And then she had an album that had production by all the top producers at the time, including production by Karis One, including features by Redman. And this is like, at that time, this is Pete, crazy. Yeah, Her first music video was directed by the GZA When This is when Wu-Tang's at, the, at its height. you know. Um, she ended up getting shelved, that album. And I always talk about if that album would have came out, yeah. it would have changed the landscape and sound of Miami hip-hop and the... Like the whole south I think It would have been A big part of An identity uh, That we would have kept You know In terms of like Lyrics and 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 that type of stuff So you had Mother Superior You had Society Who was signed To Luke Records He came by way Of Professor Griff Which is Public Enemy Mm -hmm. He was originally From New York But he moved to Miami And he owned up To being like A Miami dude You know Uh, So he had a dope ass Record called Yes Indeed I'm sure you've had You've had to have Heard this record Yes Indeed It It was a pretty big record And then we had Those Funky Bastards And Black Forest And Be Dope And And uh, Mike Rip, and we had, like, this really bubbling underground scene back then. Right. That uh, that was starting to be proud of being Miami, but it was, like, when I came in, people weren't proud to be from Miami. Right. So when it came to DJing, eventually when I started to, like, I started looking around, like, what could I do as a DJ? Like, I I knew I wanted to be a DJ. Now I got turntables. I'm practicing my ass off. What could I do? What lane do I have? Already around when I was just a fan and I'm going to, like, the first – Hip hop Club's in Miami. Shout out to the Zoo which was a, a club in the in the Grove. Mm-hmm. I had seen this little kid walk up to the stage at a DJ battle and destroy it, DJ Craze. Of mm. And then he went on to be DMC world champion. By the time I'm already starting to like figure out what I'm going to do, he's already like champion. Right. I'm like, I, "I'm definitely not doing that yeah. shit."
1: Like, <laughs> this oh, guy's all that DJ.
0: Like I am yeah. never going to do that. that. That
1: lane that lane was yo, no, no that's
0: superhero yeah. shit. Yeah. Like I'm not doing that. And then at that time, DJ Epps was killing the game on the club scene. Right. Um, even from again before we even got serious, he was already in the parties and stuff, doing uh doing stuff. So I'm like, okay, the party scene, the club scene, that's already covered. Radio wasn't a thing in Miami yet in terms of hip hop. It was underground radio or college radio, and I, I dabbled in both of them. Right. Um, but mixtapes wasn't a thing. Like it wasn't. It hadn't developed itself out here. We would get all these mixtapes from New York. And they were dope, but they were talking about New York shit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So like, I was like, "All right, I'm gonna make mixtapes that reference Miami hoods and have Miami reference titles and put on Miami underground artists in the intros." And yeah. but I'm gonna give you the same thing you like about these mixtapes as much as I can, but I'm gonna sprinkle it with Miami yeah. stuff. And yeah. that's where I found my lane, and that's kind of how I started to to make inroads.
2: How are how are you putting these mixtapes together back then? um because all you had you were just listening to the like the new york guys and trying to well,
0: not just new york i mean but most of them were from new york right. these mixtapes because it was we had one of the biggest mixtape distributors in the world out of south florida called hip-hop connection that a lot of people right. don't know about this dude was the first dude to get raided by the feds yeah. when it came to like hip-hop shit yeah for like basically you know bootlegging and whatnot but he was official with all the mixtape djs it was just the whole mixtapes were right, right. illegal and he got raided. His bank accounts frozen. You know, all they fucking raided him like he was Al Qaeda and shit.
2: Yeah. What was it? What was it that they used to say? It was like, uh, pay for the artwork and get free music. Right. Okay. Or, or they or, would put that on. Al- like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, or for, for promotional, promotional use only. Right, yeah. Right, right.
0: yeah, yeah. I had a lawyer that he's like, you're crazy for yeah. doing yeah. this shit.
1: Nah, because I remember. I was, so I, I was living in Texas back then. Well, this is 2000's mixtape days, and I would order, you know, Southern Smoke and Ideas mm-hmm. and all that stuff, and it was always like you're you're buying the cover you're buying the artwork or oh free sticker with the purchase of a sticker free cd right you know and then you obviously new or whatever so there was always those loopholes and, and
0: but that all came by way of what happened to this dude right. with hip hop connection cuz it hadn't happened up until that point point. Yeah. and this is the cassette era of mixtapes wow. and that's the era that I start making you know yeah. doing my thing which that's my favorite era when it came to mixtapes because when someone bought your tape your cassette tape they really we're into you as a DJ because it, you couldn't easily fast forward to the next track, you know, like you couldn't, you were into like how they mixed, how they blended, what songs they picked. You had to really be invested in that DJ. So that it made me feel like that era was special for mixtape DJs. Right. And, um, so, oh, you asked me how I put them together. Yeah, right?
2: Cause you were taking a lot of time into those. Cause yes. Yeah,
0: so, so I, I mean, straight up, I, it was all vinyl related and, right. and I would end up driving out. One of my homeboys, would scrape up some cash and we drive up the East coast starting in Atlanta and go to record stores buy all white labels and records that just came out and came back down and they hadn't gotten down to Miami yet, you know, or people weren't checking for it yet. They didn't even know what it was, that it was coming. And I would put out these mixtapes and it was all fucking brand new shit exclusive. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would just mix straight up off of vinyl. Eventually I got a four track which helped me do like intros Mm -hmm. and, and add extra layers to, to the mixtape. But it was all usually like one takes that I was doing oh. on vinyl, and and at first I was trying to be like oh perfectionist, and I remember hearing, Funk Flex eventually, put out a, like an album that was him mixing right, and he fucked up on the fucking album, yeah, on the actual album that came out through Def Jam I think, or no no actually this one didn't come out it came out through another label the first one I think, but he fucked up on it like the record skipped or some shit yeah. happened and it was an Not official though. release. And I was like, you know what, man, if this motherfucker don't give a fuck, like, fuck it. Right. because okay. what happens to me is like, perfectionism is cool, but it doesn't get shit done. Exactly. So I was like, all right, man. So I would do one take and sometimes a record would skip. I didn't like it, but I was like, if the, everything else was dope and all the other mixes were on point, I'm like, I'm not going to go back and yeah. do it all over Just because of that, that one skip. Right. I'm like, it's, it's vinyl. It, it, sounds, is what it, is. it
1: sounds more organic. And it sounds more real, you know, right? Like, even to this day, like I put out live mixes all the time and like, I like to hear. Those errors and you know and right. as, as a listener, you know same thing back then. They're probably like, "Yo, this is some real shit. Like, it's not just made, you know." So it's it gives it that uh, that
2: taste always, of, right? Like, the real it's shit. like that personal touch from the DJ. Yep. It's not mm-hmm. like uh, now everyone's kind of personal well, touch their, from the turntable. Because <laughs> right, right, <right>, right, right. <laughs> now everyone you know produces a mixtape on Ableton or Pro Tools, no, or it's just perf- perfect. <laughs> yeah, bro. Right, exactly. so it like loses that like natural uh, aspect of it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so you were doing mixtapes, and the, you, I mean, everyone, every time we talk about, like, mixtapes in Miami, it's like, you're the godfather. Yeah. Like, you're the guy. There,
0: there was other people that did it, but they didn't do it consistently. Right. So, like, when I, it's, I feel bad, because I've gotten people me who are like, yo, you know, I had this mixtape from so-and-so for from my Like, yeah, one fucking mixtape right. from so-and-so Miami. It was dope, but he didn't do it consistently. Right. That was where I said, nah, I'm going to do this consistently. I'm going to compete with these other mixtapes. And I did, and what happened was, is that because our like radio scene was underdeveloped, the labels they didn't have many outlets to promote records out here. So someone like me doing mixtapes was one of their like first places to go to to test records, to to get records out, to to buzz a new artist. And I started to get a lot of love from the label. So the Miami mixtape term, Miami mixtape king, excuse me, actually came from label execs and out of towners before it came from Miami heads. Because you know how it is. In your own city, people kind of like going to hate.
1: Oh, right. So these guys are like, you're the Miami
0: mixtape king." And I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, all right, whatever. But it was because I was their outlet. I was their go-to guy because radio wasn't developed. There was no real mix show yet doing it consistently. Got it. And I did it all too. I did mixtapes. I did underground radio. And I was doing parties and clubs, you know, at the time.
2: What were the party and clubs looking like back then?
0: In the beginning, we would do our own shit like, Right. The first parties that I spun at was my own like crazy hood events that we did, and like one was at this hotel uh, lobby, not lobby hotel, like a uh, lounge, that was over there by the jail. Um, that that hotel got tore down already. Sounds fun. That bro. was our yeah. first, our first, my first party was the first thing I did even before DJing, which was the, down the street from here, mm-hmm. at a warehouse, and that shit got shot up. That was the first thing we ever oh, did wow. as crazy hood. <laughs> Holy shit! How yeah. old were you? <sighs> Yeah, seventeen, probably oh, yeah, seventeen. Wow. It was right when I graduated. It was the f- I didn't have my techniques yet, but I w- we started Crazy Hood, and that was the first thing because you- creating these events was the only way to like contribute to the scene because there was we couldn't go to clubs, yeah. clubs weren't, and if the clubs were playing hip hop, they weren't letting hip hop heads in. Mm, yeah You know, it was like an exclusive, like you know, not that scene. For I've been to a club and seen back in those days, met the man at the at the front door. With his song playing, M-O-T, you know, M-E-T, man, and them not letting him in.
2: Wow. Holy shit.
0: And he's like, yo, that's my record. They're like, yeah, you don't have the dress yeah, code. Yeah, like, oh, you're not you fucking in. serious, Damn. bro? That was like South Beach and all that. South, Yeah, the yeah. South Beach era. So yeah, we would do our own events. We would do our own parties. We'd rent out spaces, ballrooms, warehouses, uh, down this area, ranch parties out in the boonies right. and the Redlands and whatnot. Um, and then eventually... Like do you remember? I don't know if you guys remember a place called Freaky Fridays that the app used to do uh, a Zen Club Zen. Remember Zen? No, I think still I too too I, still too. I was still too young for I, that no, one. I,
1: I wasn't here for a lot of that. It
0: was on 12th in Washington. This club there, and that was the the more recent name that it had. And now it's a Starbucks where there's a Starbucks
1: there. Oh, like right on the corner of Mansion and yeah. yeah so okay. that used yeah, yeah, to be
0: called some something else, right? And I was. It took me two months of going there to convince the owner of the club, mm. to let me do a hip-hop night. One mm. night. Two months to, to convince them. Going back, going back. It was, there was a, a father and a son. The, they were from New York. The son, they were like, I think they were Turkish. The son was cool. He was like, yeah, I want to do it. The father was like, nah, fuck it, I don't want none of that shit yeah. here. And eventually we did it. So that was one, and, and I broke that venue and eventually after that one event, they ended up partnering up with Epsis Crew Night Breeders and they started doing a, a party called Freaky Fridays, which was, huge another club i used to dj for was a uh, union bar which was like on 12th and uh and like f- uh, fifth Ave or something like that that was owned by the mob wow and i remember spinning hip-hop there and them saying we don't let uh spics and niggas in here yeah i'm like uh, okay, uh, what, what, uh I but you're cool <laughs> oh shit bro yeah so yeah that that didn't last long yeah so it was just a weird time frame but eventually uh because of like things like how can i be down conference that used to come down in like 94 95 different things the beach uh the hip-hop kind of took over the beach at right. one point but that's how we were like doing these events and stuff
2: and then but then eventually like a lot of more artists started popping out out of miami and they were doing like these in in uh in club parties and all that type of stuff right you and you had a i i, I heard you had the in stores and all that like when the artists would come through the city?
0: Yeah, that's how I met Nori because right. uh, he he was doing the promo run for CNN for the Capone Noriega album. Capone was locked up. Uh, my boy Phil the Mayor who does Live and then Headliner Atlanta. Group and all those right. guys, right. Right. he you know he was an up-and-coming promoter. He was promoting the event that Nori was going to just, I don't even know if it was a Capone Noriega part. I don't know what it was, but he was on his promo run, Nori. So he brought him to my store. I had a store called Crazy Goods. Right. Shout out to Eddie Giggs, who was, who was a partner with me. And um, yeah, people used to come and do in stores to promote parties and stuff like that. And then I ended up doing Nori's first solo show, N-O-R-E, you know, off of that album. I was the first person to do that show, a show with him out here in Miami, bring him down. And then they hired me to do the event for Capone getting out of prison called the Pone Home Show, which was the reunion of Capone Noriega, which I did at the same venue, which was Warsaw, which historically was a gay club. Again, this is the this is the. It sounds weird now, right. but it's like we had to, like, these are the places that we could do. I mean, right. it wasn't a gay night that we yeah. did. It just happened to be a gay club it that left, let us right. do one hip-hop night, right. you know?
1: Nah, it's the turn. I mean, those those nightlife turns have cycled many times. You yeah. Know? Like, we, we we used to do the, all the EDM stuff where we couldn't play rap, and then when EDM went out the window, like, you played anything at Temple. They're like, nah, like, right. it's just the cycles. But how was, how was the scene in Miami um, – in in, in in like in the grove, besides outside of the beach, like mm. how was everything else? Like, what 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 else was popping? And like, what was the like? How would people find out? Like like what was like the social media or or how were you guys moving? Because that's always my question about right. the nineties. Prior like,
0: to to internet, the internet and all straight that, straight like, hitting the ground running. We yeah. would go with we make our own flyers or press up flyers, posters, barber shops. Uh, the flea market was crucial. Right. Um, and just go out there The schools We just go to the schools When they get out And, and pass out flyers You know uh, right. We're all We were all around The high school age still So we were still Going to high school Later you graduate You're going to Miami Dade And you're passing out flyers And that's how You got the word out And the thing is it was People were so hungry For hip hop related shit That the word got out Right And the reason why Our shit got shot up Is because in that time frame There was only In reality A couple Like a few thousand Real hip hop heads In Miami yeah. I always tell people it's akin to the goth kid in school. Those are the goth kids, and those are the hip-hop kids. Right. Those are the jocks. You know, like real hip-hop, it is prior to hip-hop becoming mainstream. Right. So this. you were you were into hip-hop. You dressed it. You lived it. That's what it was. And so you, if you didn't know people personally from around the city, you saw them at the events, and you kind of knew them by face. So the word would get out to all, you know, that, that community of people, and they would come, and that's why we got the problem that we had in that event because – people from all different areas of Miami came and then you had rival crews. And there was a weird thing back then where like the the gang scene in Miami and the hip hop scene were like a weird rivalry. And so, so then that's why we had a problem.
2: And you did all this with crazy hood, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Crazy hood. I mean, we were a little army, man. It was like 10, 15 of us. uh, And that's what, you know, how we could do things because we were, we would move like an army. And, and I studied, like, I really tried to position us and, and, and organize us in a way that would because we were young that we would t- be taken seriously or that we would do serious things with little resources we didn't have money but we had numbers which yeah. was ourselves so we would like put in dues every month and it wasn't a lot individually but collectively it did the job you know we would go together to promote a bunch of us made a statement you know um and people recognize us it was like a branding thing and 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 that's the way that we moved man we were very serious about what we were doing
2: Yeah, i think i remember like because i started DJing around like when i was young like 2006 2007 in the all ages but i was like i didn't i was doing the all ages parties because that was like what the only thing i kind of had to do and mm-hmm. the mixtapes were kind of already ending but I remember seeing, them like, yo, who are these crazy hood guys? And like the first drop I ever got was from Garcia. Yo. And and I and I remember see every time I would go to like these little events or like car shows and stuff, like I would see all you guys with the shirts yeah. and like post it up. I'm like, yo, this team, I don't I don't know what they do, but it's crazy hood. Presence, yeah. So they right. must be crazy. <laughs> right. no,
1: always, always. I mean me back same thing, I was in Texas back then and like you know, looking at everybody. I, I kept tabs on everybody now. It'd always be like Crazy Hood and RC and all that shit. Like, I'd be like, yo, these guys are deep. Like, you guys, like, it, it, it was, it was you guys were known, you know? It was right. always that. And, and, and it's the, like, the branding behind it has always been, like, it, kind of in your face. Like, yo, we're here. And, yeah. And, and fuck with
2: us. And you guys, uh, I mean, well, you and Crazy Hood also did, like, movies and music videos. And how would you guys get into, like, all that different type of stuff?
0: It, it was just making sure that we could do everything we could um, ourselves. You know what I'm saying? And, and again, within our resources. So Garcia ended up doing some film stuff in miami Day, like taking classes. So he came back with some of that knowledge, and we started dabbling with stuff. And, you know, we would do our videos with our friends, like jokes, and these people who went on to do big things, Gil Green or, or, or people like that. So we were learning off of what we were, you know, the people we were dealing with. So, all right, so I was like, Garcia, like, you got some of this knowledge. We need to yeah. apply it. So we could do it in house and then we started doing it and then a little bit later Separate from that but parallel when the mixtape game started dying out in my opinion And it kind of got taken over by like artists doing mixtapes and that became what a mixtape was defined as Artists doing like a project and cds and the internet. I was like this ain't the same mixtape game that i'm from I saw the future in visual content And we already had our site which we had since 94 crazyhood.com and at that time, the blogging era started popping off. And I looked at the blog as, like, a form of a mixtape. Yeah. You know, you all curate right. what's on there, and it's like, kind of like a mixtape in a sense. So I was like, all right, I want to do, like, uh, original content. And I started this thing called DJ EFN's Visual Mixtapes, where I would, like, just film, like, uh, videos for freestyles and and different things like that. And, and I was, like, one of the first DJs to start doing visuals. I even had a double disc. That the second disc was a, a DVD that had all stuff, and it came out, like, in... 2000 so wow. So you know that that was the, the Trajectory and then fast forward a little bit Further uh I create you know I'm still seeing the the future in Visual content and I'm Going in that direction so We create crazy hood film Academy um which Is just a company for our film stuff And, and we do this film Coming home, home cuba right. It's coming home it's the first One but it's, it's we will go to cuba And this, you know, we can get into it if you want, but this spawned a series, which is the Coming Home series, which right right now I'm in post-production for the sixth film in South Africa, that we went to South Africa. And I'm in a bunch of conversations with a lot of pretty big people in terms of taking this to the next level, because up to now it's completely been independent. I've completely funded it myself, um, and it's been completely independent. That's awesome, bro. That's crazy. How how do you
2: decide, like, from being a mixtape DJ to, like, Yo, I want to do films
0: and like, I'm going to put them in festivals and I'm going to do that uh, out of necessity. Everything that we've done is out of necessity to, to keep the dream alive. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like every branch that grew from the crazy hood tree was all about how do we stay in this game? Like, how do we fund the endeavors that don't make money? We love making music. We love, uh, you know, doing all these different things, but the music isn't necessarily paying the bills. So how do we fund these things? How do we have an office and, and overhead and not make, you know, we got to make money. So I start uh, CHP marketing and promotions and got big into the marketing and promotion game. I start consulting for people. Um, we get into, into filmmaking, like whatever. And as long as it feels like natural to me and it's not like a stretch, cause I'm, I'm, I don't like when people like they go from one extreme to the yeah. other or they, yeah. or they abandon ship right. on one idea. Yeah. Because they think this idea is going to make them bread. Like, this is not about making bread. I did this film as an amateur with Garcia, really for personal reasons, to follow my family roots in Cuba and visit Cuba, which I never thought I would ever do. Being raised as a a South Florida, you know, Cuban-American, that's not like the thing you do. You don't go to Cuba. It's no, (laughs) you know? And I was like, nah, I want to go. Then I said, when I'm going to go, I'm going to connect with the hip-hop heads out there and see what the hip-hop community is like out there. And I'm going to take my friends, and we're going to film it. Come back, put it together, and the film gets, you know, great reviews, goes to film festivals, gets picked up by Revolt TV. When they launch, it's the first acquisition, the first original content. Besides, like, music videos, Mm -hmm. it's the first acquisition that they get. They license the film from me. I'm like, this is unbelievable. You know, and then and then and then I I just said, this is another, you know, I really love doing these. I want to continue to do them. And that's what we we do.
2: kind of like you're just using the resources you have for things that you're passionate about.
0: Yeah. And keep evolving because you can't stay in the same place. You know, like I'm not necessarily out there as an active DJ anymore, but man, I put in so much work. You're never taking the DJ out of DJ Yeah. you know. But you gotta evolve. You gotta, you know, like I, I'm really big proponent of like hip hop maturing and maturing gracefully, and not because you reach an age or you reach a time, like you gotta get out. Like, nah, you, you, you create a lane for yourself. You know, you, you make yourself relevant where it makes sense, and you keep moving.
2: Yeah, I love that you said that, especially like now with everything that's happening in 2020. Like, I think a lot of DJs are realizing, like, yo, all I had was DJing. Mm-hmm. And now I don't got it. Like, what do I, what do I do? So like. And we're always, like, talking about promoting it, like, you know, doing multiple things and having your hands in other things doesn't mean that you're not still a DJ. Absolutely. And, like, for sure, I mean, I've, like, thought about that in the past where I'm like, okay, I love DJing, but... I don't want to just dj i want right. to i want to be more than a dj but i would always get stuck in that like nah i need the next gig yeah, be- i need the, the what's next what, that, that right. guy has got that club why am i not there right. and there's so many things that go
1: hand in hand like film you know film is is so close to, to music and it's visuals and it's just art you know it's all art so it's it all comes together and and we're like like that's and that's what i was going to get at earlier like there's djs that are so just like pigeon like like the only thing that that's the only thing but it, I mean, it took the pandemic for, for some people to realize like, yo, I, I can be doing or I should be doing so much more. Right. And you're always you're always doing the most, you know. So what are other um, things that you would have never like 20 years ago? You were like, oh, I I never thought I was going to do a film or like
2: podcast. Right? Uh, yeah, Podcasting <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah. How was how like because I mean, you were a DJ, mixtapes, films, and Nori was like a rapper, you know, artist. How did you guys decide like, OK, we could do this podcasting? Or it's a good idea.
0: Um, so we had a. I had an office not too far from here, a few blocks that way. It was a warehouse, and and when Nori, after his reggaeton album, he I I was never into reggaeton, and he knew that. Actually, when he told me, he spit a verse off his reggaeton album before I even anybody knew he was doing reggaeton, and I thought he was clowning. Yeah, you know. Um. So he finished that album, and for whatever reason, the hip hop community at the time. Turned kind of turned their backs on him like the mainstream like English hip-hop community And and then whatever he decided to move to Miami and I remember him kind of basically telling me yo he, he looked at me as like a hip-hop purist He which I don't necessarily say that I am or I'm not but and he also knew that I wasn't into reggaeton So he's like yo bring me back to hip-hop um, And so he started working he moved to Kendall wow. And he started working out of my studio every day we were making records, making, f- doing freestyles, and uh, doing interviews. Like we, we basically like got them back into the into the fray of hip hop, the hip hop related news and stuff. And at that same time, uh, shout out to this this dude Leo G, homie Leo G. He had a he was at XM Radio. He had a, a, a station called Sixty Six Raw on XM before the merger. Mm-hmm. He's like, yo, you guys want to do some satellite radio? You could do it from here. We don't usually let people do it outside of our studios in dc but i could work it out and you guys could send it in all right cool so we started doing um xm radio out of our out of my studio and that shit was just like drink champs just less guests because who the fuck was going to come to kendall and And we weren't really like popping like that you know
2: and you just were going off the riff like you had yeah
0: uh, yeah i mean sometimes we had like fat joe might have came through and different a couple people but it wasn't like how how drink champs is So, and then we were there for like, we did that for like two, three years after the merger XM, we were on 66 Raw, we were on Hip Hop Nation, we were on Backspin, and I think another network, and Nori ended up doing an album with Capone again, he went on tour to Europe, I was managing Mayday, and we got signed to Strange Music, and they got really busy on tour, so we both got really busy, and we couldn't do that show anymore, and we weren't making a dime off of it, we are doing it for fun. And I was like, man, I really enjoyed doing that show. I would love to do it again. My homie, who's from, from out here too, Godfrey, he had a, a podcast called Gamer Tag Radio. He had been doing podcasting since the beginning. He was always advocating to me like, yo, you should podcast. That thing you had with Nori, you guys should do as a podcast. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I, know what, I knew what a podcast was, but I knew that it wasn't big in hip hop and it was kind of looked at like this nerdy thing that computer yeah, right. nerds did. Yeah. So I stepped to Nori and he didn't know what a podcast was. <laughs> So he was like, "Ah, I don't know, whatever. He didn't really pay mind to it. It took like a few years to to really, like other people started hitting him up. Like, yo, you should do a podcast. And he's like, talk to EFN. You know, you guys should do that as a pod. Talk to EFN. A couple times I talked, had serious convos, and Nori still wasn't ready. And I kind of looked dumb. And I'm like, yo, my bad, man. I don't know. This dude's just not, not with it. So it took a few years. And finally, he did a podcast with a podcaster that reminded him of him like it was a street dude. And he was like, oh, okay, this is,
1: you got a taste of it. I could see myself doing this, this. you
0: know. And then he comes back to me. He's like, yo, I'm ready. So it's parallel to all of that. Going back to the studio sessions, we would drink a lot, you know, in our office. um, And we had this term in my crew that if you couldn't handle your liquor, you're not a drink champ. And we would say that a lot. Like, oh, you ain't a drink champ. You ain't a drink champ. So much that Nori ended up doing a track called Drink Champ produced by the Alchemist back then. You recorded it in the studio, and I love that term so much. I was like, man, I wonder if anybody has a .com on this shit, because man, that could be anything. That could be a bar. That could be clothing line. Yeah. I don't know. It just sounds dope. Drink right. Champ, Drink Champs. I grabbed Drink Champ and Drink Champs. It was available. I got it. Like, okay, dope. I grabbed the Twitter handle. I grabbed the Instagram when it was available. Shit, I might even have the MySpace back then for, for right, that right, shit. Right, right, right. You know. Um, and then I, you know, I ended up trademarking and copywriting and. A little fast forward. I had my boy Scam, who's a legendary, you know, graphic artist and MC, do uh do the do the logo, logo. and so when Nori said he was ready, and again I'm condensing a, a long story, Nori's like an impatient dude when he's raised, he's like yo he's ready, you gotta you know you gotta yeah. catch that that fire. You were ready to go, and I that. was like. And he had named our other show. Our other show's name was Militame and Crazy Raw Radio. Wow. That's the top. He wanted to add everybody's name in the. Hey, in the hey, I said, I'm naming this motherfucker. Yeah. So I tell him, yo, I got this ready to go. And he wasn't even sure of it. He's like, I said, dream. He's like, Dah. all right, fuck it, let's do it. And I was like, yeah, I got the logo. I got everything. All right, all right let's, do, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And the rest is history.
2: Damn. So that's uh, what year was that? Uh,
0: 2016. March 2016, we're about to head into our sixth year, I believe. Wow. Doing it in March.
2: And when you guys first started, how, like, was it, like, right off the bat, you guys were, like, hitting it, like, hitting it off, like, the chemistry was there, or were you guys... Well, I mean, w-
0: the the whole premise of it was we had already done this, so we already knew right. what our chemistry was, and we have history, you know, and my approach to it is the approach on stage with, or the, the relationship between a DJ and an MC anyways. Yeah. I'm the DJ, you're the rapper you know you're gonna be in front in a sense and i'm gonna be kind of playing the background all good you know i'm co-creator co you know executive producer all good like there's no ego thing in that yeah and 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 you know and it's nori he's a fucking legend so i knew what it was and i knew the dynamic so i was cool with it but we already we already knew each other and how we are you know like we, right. we got each other and and the way that it popped for us is that my, again my boy godfrey had came back into the fold and he had just got a distribution deal for his podcast was cbs radio and i told nori what do you think about cbs and he's like oh that sounds
2: big yeah. cbs network yeah
0: he said like, we don't care what the it just sounds oh, big let's the do one it one you one know one. so we go we go to new york we meet up with cbs rap radar was on cbs at the time uh and they they said we need a demo we need a pilot episode to see if we even get it or like it imagine so we did two. We did the Fat Joe episode mm-hmm. and Kenny Anderson. Kenny Anderson was first, actually, but we ended up putting out Fat Joe first. We sent it to him. They're like, yo, this is dope. And then I asked him, yo, so how many listens do we need? Because we just were doing it as a hobby, like a side right. gig. I just, yeah. And I just wanted it to make a little money because the other thing we did never made money. I just wanted to pay some overhead of doing it. Right. I was like, so how many listens do we need to just make something? And they're like, well, if you can get between 30 and 60,000 listens per episode within a couple of weeks time the one episode within a couple of weeks time you can make a couple thousand dollars a month on advertising
2: did you have any knowledge of like how advertisement and like
0: that business worked a little bit i mean i i think it, the model was similar to radio so i kind of got it you know like common sense getting it and then um we, we, I'm like, all right, cool. So the goal is like to make to 60,000 listens, right? So we, we, we put out, we did the, the we knew we were going to release it a, a certain week in March. And we put out, we had started filming from the beginning, even though in the beginning it was just audio, but we, had, I already knew I wanted it to be a visual thing too. So I had a camera crew already there, but mo- mainly for promo clips, right? And so we put out some promo clips. And that week I ended up going to South by Southwest. And I remember in South by Southwest, people being like, yo, you, you and nori got some shit right going on I, I seen it i seen it online i'm like oh shit it's like a buzz buzz was out yeah off of a couple of clips we released and i'm like yo something sounds crazy here and then the first episode drops and wrote 300 000 the first week holy shit ended up clocking in at a million like by you know like with within a short time gotta renegotiate yeah. those numbers right? yeah. i mean there was a different <laughs> just to be completely transparent there was a different way that they the data was was kind of like counted back then mm-hmm. they've they fixed it now like uh, apple had to fix something because it, it, it actually inflated everybody's numbers mm-hmm. because every time you stopped and started it counted yeah, it as, oh, a, as wow, a listen. Wow. but everybody was going by that yeah. so so everything was even was, huh? was, it was even the scale. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah. then when it scaled back everybody got scaled back right. you know but um but it was like yo and cbs was like oh like they didn't know what to do they couldn't even they they nobody expected it we didn't even expect it And we just became out the box, like, you know, hit out of nowhere, you know, and then they couldn't even sell advertising on it because it was so fast, you know, right out the gate growth. It was so big. And then we were an unproven show that because they were using their CBS radio advertising sales team, they were like, what do we do? What do we do with this? Like, how do we sell this? They're supposed to be getting this amount of money because of their numbers. They have no track record and they're talking crazy. You know, they're talking about smelling girls' buttholes and <laughs> how many abortions have you had. <laughs> like, we can't sell this. Yeah. And it took six months for us to get the first paycheck. Crazy. But it was a good paycheck by the time it came, but it took six months. It's
2: crazy. Damn. So they had, like, uh, network execs kind of trying to do your market or your deals, like the ad, ad rev and they, all that. They had the,
0: C, like, because CBS radio was their radio, like, real r- regular radio. Mm-hmm. And then they had, they were also dealing with the podcast department. So they were doing the sales. They would have these things oh, I forgot what they're called, man. Upfronts. You ever heard of upfronts? Maybe. Upfronts are these like conferences. They have them for TV, uh, radio, podcasting, and basically it's like a conference where you like Yourself. each network presents the oh, shows they right. they they let the advertisers or the advertising firms meet the the podcast hosts and you know, it's like whining and dining people, and then people like start to commit, like on handshakes. Like, yeah, I want to advertise with this, or adver- or give you. Because sometimes they'll advertise with a specific podcast, or in the case of like CBS Radio, they'll bundle, like a package. Yeah, like yeah. okay, give us such and such amount of money, Same we'll spread it out. And- yeah, but they just didn't know how to how to sell us specifically. You know, they were they were scared, they were nervous. And I think I mean back then maybe
2: you weren't sure if you needed that or not, but now I mean you, like they see your product and they know like you could do that yourself. You you will not But just not Maybe you don't have The the reach Or the relationship
0: No The advertising shit Is still Like I, I'm trying to like I'm always outspoken About fixing it For podcasting Yeah But it's still An old school system Because what it is Is it's I'm a brand A big brand Like Kellogg's Right I give An advertising firm X, Y, and Z money This advertising firm Then goes And spreads this money out To different um Like Networks so they'll go to CBS Radio, they'll go to uh, Spotify, and they'll commit a certain amount of dollars. And then Spotify will probably give them a list of podcasts, and they'll probably, like, I'm sure they have a system, like, yeah, this category, or this we want these specific shows to be included. And it's just like this old school system of how these big advertising, it's right. just—it's the same as if you would go back 20, 30 years, probably, you know what I'm saying, when it comes to radio. But they're starting to change it, because I think with podcasting, it has to change. Like, they they used to make us do live reads during the show with the guest on yeah oh, I, well we never did it good because we were drunk man, <laughs> and nori would say some wild shit man. like i'd be like let's just for an example uh modelo or let, let me not use any brand man. let me use my own let's say uh crazy michi you know the best michelada nori be like man. yeah the to fucking sniff cocaine afterwards <laughs> you <know? Man. laughs> because you know he was just eating shit we could never do them so it, it got to a point where i was like i would do them and then try to sneak it in and and like cut it oh, in correct. Like if it was live But they knew it wasn't So I would tell people Like the live reads Just And what sucks about live reads Back then They've changed it now Thank god It was baked into the show So how are you gonna pay me For a certain time period To have an ad in my show But then it's baked into my show For an eternity Yeah, yeah So funny. if you listen to some of the first Drink Champs Like you're gonna hear like Rocket Mortgage You okay, know right, right, right. Forever
2: I remember By the that, way
1: your mortgage. Blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah,
0: blah, I remember right? listening to
2: podcasts back in the day like Rogan and all of them and I would always be like why are they deciding to do this in the yeah. middle of the show and the guest is there and he would be telling the guest super awkward. Like, yeah, yeah, sorry bro but you know we got to pay the bills.
0: Yeah, and it's yeah, it's, like, it's awkward. But they they they've, they've luckily they've changed that cuz now they have smart systems that insert your ad yeah. into the show yeah. and then take it out once that period that they pay for is done. Mm. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, we're trying to get the podcast yeah. game real, yeah, no, come no, on. No. No, I'm taking notes on this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh but how has like uh so you guys have been doing this since 2016, right? Right. So how how has the show kind of evolved? Like are you guys I mean, I'm sure in the beginning you were drinking on every episode like are you still like you guys it, just go no, hard it's yeah <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> bad for our health man
0: it's
1: still
2: the same and it's then, ridiculous <laughs> man. i'm thinking like man damn four years we I always wonder... see, we were
1: I, I always see like nori being nori and you're like again you're always the one like getting back on track but it's still like the insane just like,
0: now if you if you really like watch you'll notice there's like a point in the show where i get drunk and... because i'm there just chilling enjoying the conversation, drinking. And then I get fucking lit and then I start going acting a little crazy. But yeah, no, we still, yeah, actually, if anything, we probably drink more now than we did before. Me personally, I used to I used to be just liquor, liquor, rum mainly. I become a fucking big beer drinker now because my girl, my lady is into like craft beer and all this shit. So and hence the Micheladas too. Right. So I'm a big beer drinker, which is not any better at all. Because I'm I'm drinking like a 12 pack pack on the show and taking mad shots shots Mm -hmm. of liquor. Because we're we're doing shots, so that's definitely not good. But yeah, no, nah, it's it's we we drink the shit's legit. We could die, <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's not good. I, I and I'm worried. I'm actually worried. I I've been saying this lately, um, that I'm you know I don't want our legacy in the end to be that we promoted alcoholism yeah, either. Yeah, you know that that's not what I want either for the show for our legacy. Nah, I
1: think people I think people like people just know it as like you guys are having a good time. Yeah, and it's never
2: if, like because I've seen people try to do it or or you know podcasts that have alcohol in them and it's like it's not alcohol is the thing it's right. like you guys are like my one of my favorite episodes was with Pitt and oh it's that was like, a great episode you guys are just like kicking in the backyard like talking old stories like that's fr- the point like, of the show man and yeah. then obviously there's liquor involved right. it makes it a little more fun and interesting yeah. but like it's that vibe of like yo I haven't seen you in forever like what's up I remember this I remember that like that's what the show's yeah, about. It's always
1: it's always a natural flow of you guys just literally telling stories, you know. And Or you remember this, like the pit one with like the, the, the Tarasana story. You know? like, <laughs> and like, then you <laughs> think it's
2: one thing, and then he's
1: like, no,
0: what are you
2: talking about? It's like,
0: <laughs> yeah, Nori made up a whole other story <laughs> in his mind, <laughs> man.
2: Yeah. But you guys must have gotten, like, crazy, like, liquor uh, opportunities, right, when you first started?
0: Yo, you would think so, but that's the last opportunity really? that came to us. I mean, outside of, like, Siroc. And people that are kind of related to our partners, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah, nah, man, I was I was fucking going off on CBS Radio like, how do we not have a bunch of liquor sponsors? But you know what it is, it made sense. They're like, you guys are reckless. Yeah, liquor is already has enough legal problems in their lives. They don't need to sponsor a show, and then you guys do some crazy shit that you know is goes backwards on them. Yeah, Yeah, and that's what it is, you know, or someone from the show. God forbid it's in a car accident, yeah. anything. Okay. And I I got it. Like I get why we're a scary show sponsor. <laughs> I mean, it's drink is in the title. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, after, after like all these like four, last four years, has it gotten uh, you know I guess more difficult since now it's like okay, you guys are like a pretty well proven show and successful show, and now it's kind of an obligation. Not like in a bad way, but you gotta you gotta do it consistently now because you have. You know people that are depending on you Has that like been hard to kind of Because in the beginning it's for fun Right And then it turns into like right, it's a job
0: I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that Anything that you have to do Repetitively and contractually That's a job Becomes a job And that's facts You know uh, There's some days that I'm That I prefer not to be You know have to go to do drink champs You know especially now that I have a family But ultimately at the end of the day I have to check myself and be like Yo you're lucky you know be grateful like who the fuck gets to fucking make money drinking and talking shit with some of your idols some of the people you grew up on some of your peers you know like this is dope so you know but but again like i think it's just human that eventually if, if it if it becomes like a regular thing you're like oh you know it's my job now you know and it kind of takes away from the fun but nah man it's it's still dope it's still fun
2: yeah i mean it's not a bad gig for sure
1: for not sure well, not a bad at gig all. at all oh. um i was gonna ask you what, what your favorite guest, memorable, mom, memorable moments, something that's, I don't know, like, like the story, somebody that doesn't know about Drink Champs, like something that you tell them, like, oh, I like that, oh, we had so-and-so on, and this and this happened, like, what's
0: one of those things? Damn, man, there's just, the thing is, with Drink Champs is, I don't remember shit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> This is just 100% real. I don't yeah. go back and watch the show because that's dumb for me to go. Ha- Why would I want to go watch myself yeah. drunk talk, you know, like, and Can't then watch myself and then second guess <laughs> myself later. Like, oh man, you know, then I really won't want to be there. You know, yeah. I don't, I mean, I have some like dope episodes that I think like the 50 episode was dope. Right. Uh, we, back in that time, we used to film a little Haiti and he came by himself to the set. And, and this is a time frame where people, artists were like nervous to come to drink champs. Yeah. Like we intimidated people because they thought like, you know the drinking. They saw like the crew behind us. Nori asking crazy questions. Like you were coming to
1: get like question, like
0: right. So you know it. What it seemed is some people didn't understand that it was more of a like originally we were in the comedy category. That's the way I saw. You know I see drink right. champs as a comedy hey, show, hey, like fun. Yeah, we're not a fucking uh, Jay Leno or Q and A Q&A or a fucking any. You know yeah. like David Letterman. We're not. Yeah. We're not that. If you want that, you got to go somewhere else. We're more about having fun. So 50 came to the episode by himself, and he understood, like you could tell, he understood what Drink Chance was. And what was dope about him is he doesn't drink, and he drank because he's smart and he had a liquor to promote, and he took like three or four shots, which got him smashed because he doesn't drink. Yeah. And he had fun with the show. So when there's people that come on and they have fun with the show, that those are the best episodes. And the comedians, which are naturally going to have fun with the show, they're the best because they start clowning everybody in the room, and, <laughs> and, and they they start having jokes. The like Marlon Wayne's yeah. and Mike Apps, and right. you know uh, Jack Thriller. Like those are those are awesome.
2: So you guys never went back and edited anything out.
0: There's been a few edits. I'm not gonna lie. Throughout the years, you know, we edit something out if it's gonna get someone in a legal bind. Uh, we edit but like s-
2: for yourself since you don't remember. <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> rarely. Right. I probably should, you know, <laughs> I probably should edit shit out. Like, you know, every once in a while we might say like, Oh, you know, I don't know. Like I said, it's only, there's very specific things that we'll want to edit, but not, nah, I, I don't, I try to just forget about the show. Once I yeah, do it, that's the best way behind me. Keep it moving. It'll probably come to haunt me later. Like my kids will probably be like, You drunk, dad. Look at you. Oh, You're gonna tell me not to go and drink you. Know? Do
2: you ever think about that? Like oh, there's like all this archive footage of me yeah, bro. for years and years that my children can just look up and
0: not just footage, even the music that we were putting out, like like now that I'm a father, I have a daughter and a son, and they're young, I'm just like, yo, holy shit, this could be used against me by my kids. Uh, you know or it could be a bad example but i mean i'm i'm very into like the creative like mind frame and understanding and art and that art should never be limited uh or should be censored so i'm gonna teach i'm gonna try to teach them that you know like 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 hey you know it is what it is this is the way we expressed ourselves maybe looking back i might be like yeah maybe we that was we shouldn't have said that but we were young and we did this and we you know i'll try to explain it as best as i can but uh, you know I'm gonna definitely Try to get them to understand That expression is expression
2: Yeah I mean At the end of the day They see that Their dad had a Successful
0: podcast I like, mean It might not mean shit to them By that <laughs> point They'd be like Dad what the fuck is that I like, mean who knows What podcasting will be Yeah was like, you weren't a hologram yet Like oh right. man That's old school shit You know You guys <laughs> sat down And talked <laughs> yeah. to each other Or what <laughs> you were there in person Did yeah. they <laughs> <So, laughs> What were you gonna say No I was gonna say something dumb Like was it on the International Space Station <laughs> Like Yeah
2: well, what, what do you think the future of Drink Champs Or what what it, it's gonna Evolve into Or it'll just be you guys drinking
0: <sighs> I don't know bro what the future I mean Drink Champs is gonna be Drink Champs always Like, right. it, What it is now is what it's always gonna be I mean what's dope is that We evolved from an audio only podcast For me At a, at it's heart it's always a podcast you yeah. know? But then it went to become a, a TV show for real Like you know on TV And it became this big thing on On, on Digital which is YouTube um, And also on Tidal And we've done these deals that have been Game changers for all podcasters yeah. I believe And I, what's dope for me Being just this Miami kid Just trying to contribute to the Miami scene Is I'm a part of this Like cultural phenomenon That that contributed to the entire scene Globally in a sense Because I just Like I said I, I'm coming home South Africa's in post production I'm walking in the middle of South Africa And people recognize me from Drink Champs That's fucking insane to yeah. me you know, so I couldn't ask for anything better as a as a kid from Kendall just trying to like be cool in Kendall.
2: You know? <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. So so to me that that's that's insane, man. And I feel like we're doing a positive, you know, we're inspiring people to like we've inspired all these artists to do podcasts. Like I do feel it's directly correlated to drink chance because a lot of the artists that have podcasts now 100%. came to us 100%. first. We were going to create a podcast network to put them out and we just we didn't have our shit together and they went off to do their own thing which is completely fine. I think that's dope that we've helped artists find other ways to create revenue just like you're saying for DJs to find ways to evolve. The artists needed that as well or anybody needs that within the culture and I, and I'm glad that we're a part of that movement.
2: Not for sure. I mean like we said we appreciate it cuz I mean especially in Miami I feel like it's uh, a lot of people get one one-sided one one-way minded And only want to do one thing, and they're like, "Nah, like podcast, that's whack." Or like, but now we get people that hit us up, like, "Yo, how do we go about doing this and that?" And we're like, "Uh, "We told you, you should have been doing a podcast." But um, so talk to us about
0: what you got coming up. I know you got a michelada right there. I got the michelada coming out uh, officially next year. It's a for anybody that doesn't know, it's a it's like a beer drink. It's it's mainly popular within the Mexican community and on the West Coast, uh, but it's just a dope way to drink beer and anything else. A lot of people drink it with other things, and it's it's like a Bloody Mary beer. That's right. a lame way of saying it, but that's like the easy way the of saying it. Way. Yeah, so it has like a you know a spicy rim and it has a, a spicy mix in it, and you put ice in beer or ice in juice or whatever it's the, the fuck you want.
1: I, w- I, w- I was saying that it's the best for hangovers and like oh it's ha- dope. hair the dog. It's yeah, like the hair the dog trigger like in Nicaragua. Every morning, like during the holidays when you're out partying the next day you wake up, michelada, boom, and then you're back back to it. So it's, it's
0: yeah. Awesome, it, it's know? it's dope. So that's I'm really happy about that because I really became a Michilala connoisseur. I'm I'm a, I'm I don't know if I've mentioned it or you guys know. I'm originally born in Los Angeles. Yeah. Right. So I have family in LA. I came here when I was really young. Um, but my family in LA put me on to micheladas a long time ago. And then my girl's originally she's from LA. She moved to Miami to be with me. Um, so she was already into Michela's right. and then like I told you, she's into beer. So that, like the whole, everything came crashing down to get into this business. Yeah. And so we're creating a whole line around, uh, it's called the crazy Michi, you know, crazy hood, crazy Michi. And, um, and there's, it's a funny story with the Michi person. There's a, a character that from, let me actually, I can't even get into it, but, uh, <laughs> but uh crazy Michi and it's a whole line. We're going to have the dips that you could dip your beer cans into. We're going to have my, uh, my own flavored, uh, like recipes the mix yeah, yeah. that you can put in, and you can make it with or without the cup. We're gonna have candies that come with it. Nice. And and shout out to the Go Michico, uh which you you'll be hearing a lot about them. This company is is pretty much the biggest company in like the 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 Michelada cups.
1: Yeah, because I've never seen the actual cups. I've seen the little bottles that they sell of like the mix and whatever mm-hmm. and all the other. But the fact that you have the rim and then it's just literally two process. You open it. Yeah. Take everything out, put the beer in, and I said, "That's yeah." So, super, super so nice. I'm I'm
0: super excited about that. And then I have a, uh, I'm also a part of a company from out here in Miami called Colombian White, which is a uh, Colombian right. aguardiente. Yeah, I've had it; it's pretty good. Thank you. Bro. I met
1: I met the guys a while back, and and after they launched it, I saw that you know y- yep. y- y'all were on, and he was they were pitching you guys. About to I say I,
2: you got to have some
1: sort of alcohol.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I want to get into a rum because rum was originally my thing um there's a I'm trying to think what other products I'm, invo- I'm involved in a couple other things but uh, besides that other podcast i'm developing a bunch of podcasts and i have one that we just did a deal for uh, a new deal for which is fatherhoods right um fatherhood is basically to put it simple it's like a, a hip-hop parenting you know based on you know father's uh podcast and we have like other artists and, and people within the industry talk about being fathers which is really dope because I feel like we in hip hop males and hip hop get a bad rap. We look like we're, you know, deadbeat dads or whatever, yeah. and that's not true. And so we're talking and we talked to mothers as well. You know, we've had Angie Martinez on there, uh, Moni love and different people. So that I'm very proud of that podcast and I am developing like three or four other podcasts that I'm, I'm producing and developing and, and we got other show ideas and other things that we're doing documentaries besides coming home, but coming home, is, is is right you know is my my big deal right now so you got a lot on the plate in other words a lot on the plate too much <laughs> when you have two little kids at the crib'm hey, that's my new thing man and learning that balance with the kids is, is incredible you know
2: how have you been able to manage that because I mean I'm not <laughs> <laughs>
0: been, I, I, I'm, th- I'm just being real it's it's because you've you, been
2: a grinder since like seven 16 it,
0: 15 14 so now yo,
2: you got a, four- a grinder
0: that I purposely didn't have kids right to grind right like that was on purpose you know um i knew how to use a condom yeah (laughs) my (laughs) friends going back to high school i got god kids that are 22 years old right they didn't know how to use condoms apparently (laughs) um so so yeah on purpose i didn't have kids so that i can do the grind and now i have the kids and now i'm like it stops me in my tracks but they're my priority they're the first thing that i deal with the first thing i think about in the morning last thing i think about at night and beyond all this shit they're the most important thing so everything i do now is legacy related to my kids and and i also i wouldn't stop grinding because i want to teach them right to grind you know like look you know you don't stop you keep going this is, this is what you do so that's now it's just a different motivation yeah it's know, like right? a
2: different mindset of a grind because yeah. now you're like oh i need to make sure like they're good and right. also what i leave behind they see and they respect that's Absolutely. just like blind. Like I need yeah. to do everything because fuck it, right? No, but no. it's more focus
0: Yeah, and it, I mean, it's just right now. It's just a tough period because I have a two and a half year old and I have a six month, and oh, those man. are tough ages. And there's no sleep, and and it's, it's crazy. So it's a, it's crazy specific to the age, but it's a crazy hood in your through, house, right? Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'll get you out of here because I know you're busy. You're but busy, busy guy. if no, you I'm had good, uh, any inspiring words or any little gems for someone trying to find their own lane or you know find their way in this dj creative artist game that's really crazy right now
0: wow uh, i mean it might sound corny and, and and typical to say like follow your heart and and in and, and your passion um but i truly mean that like follow it but have like real like set up realistic goals yeah you know, don't uh, oftentimes I see a lot of young people and not just young people, people even my fucking age, that they have these ridiculous expectations or I'm gonna to i I'm still gonna like I have a friend who's fucking forty-five years old. Yeah, man, I'm I can't I'm gonna get rich. I'm rich how, yeah. motherfucker? How you gonna get rich? Yeah, what's your plan? I don't know, but you know, I'm I saw like, the secret and yeah. I'm gonna think that shit into existence. Yeah. I'm like, well, this thinking's not gonna go anywhere, we bro. Know some of those. So so I would just say like, yeah, you know, follow your heart, follow your passion but put a plan together, yeah. execute a plan. Like really and truly everything I've done has been a plan. Not everything has worked. There's failures. you got to be able to take the failures and keep it moving. Most people get have failures and it's it ends them because yeah. it's, it's devastating, man, especially when you're in the world of being creative in arts because you put your heart out there usually if you're being creative. It's like this is my idea and you put it in front of people and they're like, it's whack. You're like, ah, fuck. I'm never putting my yeah. idea out there again. So just put a plan together. And I, and I always try to tell people like, like, s- put the plan and then give it a, a certain time frame and then evaluate. It doesn't mean you end it. You evaluate it at a certain point and you say, okay, is it giving me results? Do I like where I'm at? Maybe it's not getting paid, but maybe you got a certain audience. Maybe you got you met some people in your network that you didn't know before. Okay, it's it's worth continuing the the goal, you know, like continuing the Whatever strategy you put together And then you know you, That's how you do it Little by little And then diversify Which is what I did I'm only, Again I'm only speaking From my perspective You diversify um, So that Within the realm Of what you're doing So that you can keep The dream alive And don't be afraid To say okay well You know I'm going to maybe oh i'm good at marketing okay i want to go market or i'm uh maybe you're a bartender maybe you're good at bartending and you gotta like don't be afraid of a fucking job either you know like so like, oh, i can't be seen out there because i'm a rapper or nah. or i'm a model but you nobody knows you bro like you know, like, <laughs> like like go it's nothing wrong with a side gig or a side hustle or none of that shit like fund your hustle ultimately however you got to fund your hustle fund your hustle
2: keep the dream alive yeah man. i like that well yo yeah fan thank you brother. it's been a pleasure brother uh, if you could plug in, I mean, I'm sure everyone knows where to find
0: you, but uh, crazyhood.com for everything, drinkchamps.com for everything, drinkchamps at who's crazy Instagram at djefn Twitter.
2: Awesome, bro. Well, it's episode 100. 100. Woo, we did it, bro. We made it.
0: 100 shots after this. <laughs> hey, shit we got to yeah, take yeah. a shot
2: because we're with the drink uh, hey, champ, yeah, bro. That's real. Yeah, I, yeah, we'll take a I shot. I don't really it. drink anymore. We'll but take him, I I might, a I shot. They yeah,
1: haven't drank in nine
2: months. <laughs> yeah, <Zay hasn't laughs> I
1: don't want to fucking kick you off the wagon,
0: drink champs bro. All right, we (laughs) out. We out of here. (laughs) Peace.
2: Oh, man. (laughs) Drink chance, bro.